0: morning, Bridge Church, and happy Palm Sunday. Thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited to worship our Heavenly Father and welcome Him into this place. Give Him all your praise as we sing. Just one word, you come the storm that's around. Just one word. This has to
1: many of you are grateful that we have a living hope. As we were singing that song, it talked about how he has set us free. Everything of the past, all of the issues, all of the problems, all of our regrets, whatever those may be, that he has set us free from those. And as we were singing, I just began to think, if we took a moment to look around the room See, what has God set you free from? Maybe it's been an addiction. Maybe God has restored a marriage. Maybe God has has done some sort of, of inner working in your heart to forgive somebody. What has God set you free from? That's who we serve. He is our living hope. He is not dead. He is alive. There are people in this room today, there are people online, there are people in this city and in this world who need to know that there is a living hope. He is not dead. He is alive. So as a community, as a church right now, I want you just to take a moment. I want you to give thanks for what he has done, for how he has set you free. And I also want to take a moment and I want you to think about those who need Christ still. And let's pray for them and let's believe for them that they will come and that they will receive in this next week. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you are our living hope. God, that you set each and every single one of us free, God, through your son Jesus Christ on the cross. Lord, that you took our sin, that you took our shame, that you took our our unforgiveness, our bitterness, our rage, our anger, our alcoholism, and everything in between, God, that you took each and every single one of those things to the cross, Lord, so that we may have hope and life and joy and peace in you, God. And God, if there's anyone in this room, Lord, who just needs a little bit extra today, God, maybe they're still walking through a season, God, I pray, Lord, that they have hope and they have joy in you, Lord, because you went to the cross for those things and you conquered those things, God. And Lord, we declare victory in Jesus' name. And God, as we look towards this next week, Lord, I know each and every single person in this room. Lord that they have somebody in their mind right now Lord that needs to know who you are maybe it's somebody who's walked away from faith maybe it's a, a relative, a co-worker a friend, a neighbor and God I pray that you would open up a door an opportunity this week Lord to invite someone to church God whether it's online or in person God that they would come and hear the good news that Jesus is alive Hallelujah Church We love you. Thanks so much for being here today. If you haven't, uh, can't tell, we're a little bit excited, all right? It's a great day to be in the house of the Lord. It's a great day to serve our risen King. Hey, we got a few things just to to throw at you. Hey, if you happen to walk in, I know it was a little dark. But we are taking communion a little bit later today. And if you did not grab communion, there are some tables right in the back. I would give you an opportunity to go do that. We'll be doing that towards the end of service. We also want to remind everyone that we do have a family room available if you have young children with you and you might be more comfortable over there. That's to my left, your right. But hey, we just want to say welcome. Thanks so much for being here today. And let's watch church news. God bless.
2: that you're here today and we hope that you and your family enjoy our time together. We're believing that 2021 is going to be a great year and we want to spend it with you. So find your place, get connected, and let's do life together. Here's a look at what's coming up in church life. Okay Mia, I'm super excited about the Bridge Room at night, but I've never been before, so what should I expect? Oh, it's gonna be a good time. Hanging out with the girls, photo booth, worship, an inspiring message, free childcare, and all the mama said. <laughs> You're really excited about free childcare. <laughs> Girl, you have no idea. Oh! There's going to be shopping. Shopping? Shopping. Enough said. So, what time should I get there? <laughs> Doors open at 6 p.m., so come early and enjoy some extra time with the girls. Sounds good. I have some friends that I want to invite. Can they come too? Good question. Of course. Bring your friends, coworkers, sisters, daughters, grandmas. They're all invited. Friday night, April 16th at 7 p.m. We can't wait to see you there.
3: If you are new to The Bridge, we would love to meet you and help get you plugged in. You are invited to join us at Connecting Point. Connecting Point is the place to hear the history, heart, mission, and vision of The Bridge, but more importantly, find out where you fit in. If you'd like to come, it's happening on Sunday, April 11th, during the 11.30 service. And if you have kids, Bridge Kids will be happening during that service to serve them. We just ask that you register by going to our website, or the bridge app we look forward to meeting you and helping you get connected on April 11th at connecting point
2: next week is Easter and we are so excited we have amazing services planned at 8:30, 10 o'clock and 11 30 a.m
4: these are going to be extra special services and you know Easter is one of those times of the year when people will come to church who oftentimes would not show up. So I want to encourage you, invite family members, invite friends, invite neighbors. You never know that God just might grab somebody's heart because of you reaching out to them.
2: Yes, and our Bridge Kids program will be happening during all three services. Our coffee bar will be open. We will have photo booths set up. It's going to be a great day. We can't wait to see you there.
3: What's up, Bridge Youth? Hey, if you have not been coming and hanging out on Wednesday night, you are missing out. Every single Wednesday, we got hangs at six and service at seven. If you are sixth to twelfth grade, come and join us. This Wednesday, we're kicking off a brand new series entitled Growing Pain. It's a series all about how we together are going to grow in our faith. Also, big news. Two weeks from today, the week after Easter, April 11th, we are bringing back Youth Sunday mornings. That is right. So we will join our church family at 1130 for worship, and then we'll head over to the Youth Center for youth service. So every Sunday, 11 o'clock hangs 1130 service. We'll see you there.
2: If you're new to the Bridge, we want to do everything we can to help you get plugged in and find your place in this family. Stop by the Info Center after this service and say hi to our team. They would love to meet you and answer any questions that you might have about the church. You can also stay up to date with everything that's coming up by downloading the Bridge app. Just text the keywords the Bridge Church app to 77977. And for more general info, check out our website, thebridgechurch.tv. We're so glad you and your family are here with us today. Now it's time to get into God's Word.
5: Well, good morning, everybody. How you doing today? You look good. It's good to see you in church today. Thanks so much for being here. Hey, we're glad to be be able to spend Palm Sunday with you and your family. So let me just reiterate what was said in church news. If you're new to the bridge, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a privilege. It's an honor to have you with us today. If this is your very first time, we hope that you feel at home, that you find home, that you meet some people that make you feel like family today. I also just want to personally invite you to stop by the Info Center after this service. Our team would love to meet you. If you have any questions about the church, want to find out how it is that you can get plugged in, we want to meet you and help you find your place Here at the bridge. So take some time and do that after service again. We're so glad you're here today. If you're a regular here at the bridge, if you're part of the family, would you join me? Let's just put our hands together and welcome all of our guests to church today. Awesome. My name is Zach. I'm one of the pastors here at the bridge, and I have the privilege of getting to share with you today. So if you got your Bibles, you meet me in Zechariah, the Old Testament, next to last book of the Old Testament, Zechariah chapter 9. And as we do that, as you turn there, just to remind you one more time, Easter Sunday is next Sunday. It's going to be awesome. We're very excited. Three morning services, 8.30, 10, and 11.30. Once again, Bridge Kids is happening in all three services. Our coffee bar will be open as well. And then going forward, those things will be open. Bridge Kids and all of our morning services from here on out. Starting next week, the coffee bar will be open as well. We're excited about youth Relaunching in a couple weeks on Sunday mornings. It's going to be awesome. Kind of feels like things are getting back to normal around here. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Hey, this morning, today obviously is Palm Sunday. It's the Sunday before Easter. When we look back, we reflect, we commemorate upon the coming of Christ, our King, into Jerusalem. So Jesus is heading into Jerusalem with his disciples. Passover is coming. And of course, we know the rest of the story. This is Holy Week or Passion Week, as we often call it, where Jesus will go to the cross. He'll be raised from the dead, and we'll celebrate that next Sunday morning. But today's Palm Sunday, and I know that for many of us, you know, if we've been in church for a long time, we've been walking with God, or we're just familiar with the scriptures, we understand that Palm Sunday commemorates Christ coming to Jerusalem. And, you know, it's really interesting, as I was kind of looking ahead to the week that is in front of us, there wasn't really a fancy title that really applied for this day. I just want to bring kind of an old-fashioned message about the significance of Palm Sunday. But more than just the significance... What does it mean for us here today? And the reason why I say that is because, you know, as we look ahead to the events that transpire in Holy Week and everything that we'll celebrate later on this week, you know, we all know and we understand that Good Friday celebrates and commemorates Christ going to the cross. So his shed blood on the cross is substitutional atonement for our sin. And because of Christ's sacrifice... We can be forgiven. We can experience salvation because of what Jesus did on the cross. And we understand that that's what this coming Friday is all about. And then, of course, next Sunday is Resurrection Sunday where we reflect, we celebrate, really, the resurrection of Christ. Him being raised from the dead. And what does that mean for us today? Well, of course, it means that if Jesus was given new life, we, by putting our faith in him, are giving new life as well. We can be born again and experience his eternal life because of of Christ's glorious resurrection that we'll celebrate next Sunday. But, you know, today is one of those days where oftentimes when we think about the significance of Palm Sunday, it tends to be a story that's in the history book of the Bible. And over the last few days, as I was preparing for this day, I didn't know if I wanted to talk specifically about Palm Sunday or if I wanted to talk about something else. But for whatever reason, as I continue to read through that story, I just really felt reminded that some of the events that transpired and took place on Palm Sunday really do apply to our lives today. So rather than just looking back at a historical story, I want to talk about what Palm Sunday means to us today. We understand, of course, that Jesus entered into Jerusalem as Passover was nearing, and he came in a very intentional manner. And the reason he came in an intentional manner was so that a prophecy could be fulfilled about the coming of Christ before he would go to the cross. And that's what we see in Zechariah chapter 9. And I asked you to turn there, and we're going to look at one specific verse. It was a prophecy that was given that would later be fulfilled. And Jesus knew that this had to be fulfilled, that this prophecy had to come to pass before he would go to the cross. So I want to read this verse of scripture as we get started in the message today. It says in Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9. Now again, 500 years before Jesus would come to this earth. Zechariah said in verse 9, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation. Everybody say salvation. So there it is, 500 years before the coming of Christ, salvation is prophesied by Zechariah. And then it goes on and it says, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal, of a donkey. So there's a very specific way that this king will come and enter into Jerusalem. He'll come on a donkey, or more specifically, on a colt, the foal or the offspring of a donkey. So this is prophesied 500 years before. And now turn with me to Matthew chapter 21. Now we're going to read one of the accounts of Jesus and his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Now, it's important to say right here also that the triumphal entry of Christ coming into Jerusalem is recorded in all four of the Gospels. Not every story is recorded of Jesus in all four Gospels, but this one is because it was very, very important. But I want to talk again about how this story applies to our lives. Where do we fit into this? We understand that Christ is the point of all Scripture. We understand that all Scripture points to Christ and that he is the culmination of all Scripture. But Christ came for us. So therefore, we have a place in the story if we are still living and breathing here on this earth. So look with me, Matthew chapter 21, starting in verse 1. It says, Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. And this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. And right here, this is where Matthew refers to what we just read in Zechariah chapter 9. What was spoken by the prophet. Verse 5 here. Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey, So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. Talking about Jesus, they set Jesus on the donkey. Now I want to stop right here for just a moment and just acknowledge a few things. Again, Jesus is the central figure in this story, and he knows what is required for the prophecy of Zechariah to be fulfilled. But at this point, the story takes a sharp turn, And it's no longer just about Jesus and his entry into Jerusalem, but it also becomes about everybody else in the story and how they respond to Jesus. The rest of this story, while Jesus is the central figure, the story turns real quick and all these other people now figure in and factor into the story because their response to Jesus, the commands that he gives and the way that they see him entering into Jerusalem are incredibly important and they bring out some real life application for all of us. And I want to start and talk about some of the other people in the story here and how they respond to Jesus. Let's start first of all with the disciples. You know, the disciples, as they walked with Jesus during his years of ministry on this earth, they must have had all kinds of interesting encounters where Jesus put them in uncomfortable situations. Probably many situations that aren't even, even recorded in Scripture. I mean, could you imagine being with Jesus as he was casting demons out of people? And we read those stories in a hindsight perspective, but imagine being with Jesus, taking authority spiritually over these demonic forces and casting demons out of people. I bet when Jesus kind of brought the disciples into these situations, oftentimes it was probably very uncomfortable for the disciples. They're like, wow, I've never been a part of anything quite like that before. Or when Jesus tasked them, you know, you think about the the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Before Jesus multiplies bread and fish, he tells the disciples to go and organize 5,000 people into groups of 50. It's like herding cats before Jesus can perform this miracle. And the disciples probably time and again found themselves in situations where it was uncomfortable, the thing that Jesus was asking them to do. And right here, this story of the triumphal entry, this Palm Sunday story, really isn't that much different because Jesus here has tasked the disciples with a really uncomfortable job or an uncomfortable chore. It says here that Jesus tells the disciples, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go into this nearby village, and I want you to find a donkey. In fact, there's two of them. One of them's a colt, the offspring or the foal of the other donkey. And when you see them tied up, I want you to go up. I want you to loosen those donkeys, and I want you to bring them back to me. Sounds easy, right? Well, imagine you were one of those two disciples that had to go do this. Jesus is like, I want you to go get two donkeys that don't belong to you and don't belong to me. And when you get to that village, untie them, walk away like it's no big deal, and bring them back to me. And if anybody says anything to you, what are you going to tell them? Tell them the Lord has need of them. Now, again, we read scripture in hindsight, and we see how it all plays out, and everything seems to be cool. But I'm just going to be really honest with you for a moment. I'm a pretty non-confrontational type of guy. I'm a pretty laid-back personality. I don't much care for conflict. And if Jesus has said to me, I want you to go and get these two donkeys from somebody that you do not know. And no, I don't own the donkeys, and you don't own the donkeys. Somebody else does. But just walk up, untie them, and start to walk away. And if they say anything, tell them that the Lord has need of them. I would have been like, Jesus, in some parts of the world, they call that stealing, stealing. But right here, Jesus equips them. He says, no, when you get there, if anybody asks, tell them that the Lord has need of them. Now, again, I know that I'm just talking on on, on my behalf. And maybe you're sitting here and you know this story very well. And you're like, Zach, I think you're making a big deal out of a small thing. Well, let me just ask you a question. When church is over today, when you walk out to the parking lot, if you're talking to your spouse or your friend or your family member, whoever it is that you might have come to church with or seen at church this morning... As you're walking out to your car, when you're talking about the service and how things went, when you look up and see your car and notice that somebody has entered your vehicle, <laughs> and you do not know them, they've reached down underneath the steering column and somehow magically hotwired that thing, and it starts right up, and they begin to part to, to back up out of the parking stall. When you walk up to them, what are you going to say? "Hey, what are you doing with my car? What are you doing with my truck? What are you doing with my SUV?" What if that person looks at you and says, don't worry, the Lord has need of it? What are you going to do? You have to realize that this situation, this job, this chore that Jesus gave the disciples, this was an uncomfortable thing. And they had to step out in faith and step out in obedience knowing that Jesus had asked them to do it. But why did he ask them to do it? So that they could facilitate the mission of Christ in the earth. And I told you that the Palm Sunday story, it has a lot of significance just in terms of symbolism and the fulfillment of prophecy. But in the same way that we look at the the message of the cross and the message of the resurrection, if we look at the message of Palm Sunday, I stop and ask myself the question, what does this mean to my life? And after I look at what Jesus has asked, or more specifically what he's tasked the the disciples with, it begs the question, Are we willing to step into the uncomfortable and the uncertain in order to facilitate God's mission in the earth? If you were out somewhere in an uncomfortable or maybe an unfamiliar setting and the prompting of the Holy Spirit just kind of popped up on the inside of you and you felt as though God was saying, you know, you should just ask that person how they're doing today. Just see how they're doing. Or if something catches your attention and you recognize that maybe somebody looks down, they look downtrodden or defeated. Maybe something prompts you on the inside to simply ask the question, hey, how are things? Are you okay? How are you doing? You never know what might happen in those settings if you just respond to the gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit, how God might use you in an uncomfortable or an uncertain setting to facilitate the mission of Christ in that moment. The disciples responded well, and while the gospels really don't tell us the full story of what that exchange looks like, some of the other gospel accounts tell us that somebody asked. They said, hey, what are you doing? But what they found was that God was already at work on the other side of that mission. And when they got there, when they stepped out in faith, when they stepped out in obedience and did something that was uncomfortable in an uncertain, in an unfamiliar setting, God was already at work on the other side of that mission. And I think one of the things that we have to understand is that God has called each and every one of us to facilitate the mission of Christ in the earth today. And if that sometimes calls us and pulls us into uncomfortable or unfamiliar or uncertain settings, if we'll be sensitive to listen to the gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit, we might be blown away to find out what God was already up to on the other side of that task. You know, there's a couple here in our church that I love a lot, and uh, I have a really great relationship with them. In fact, I was talking to, to the husband, the, the gentleman uh, earlier today before service, and I remember about five years ago, I think, five or six years ago, I was sitting at the, at the office here one day, and I got a phone call, and uh, they said they wanted to speak with one of the pastors, and I said, okay. And I took the phone call, and they said, hi, we're just looking for a pastor that can do our wedding ceremony. And I thought, well, that was kind of strange because I I guess over the last few years that hasn't happened very many times where somebody called the church asking for a pastor that they didn't know to do their wedding ceremony. And I asked a few questions because my first thought was, well, well, why do you need me to do it? I don't understand. And they began to tell me the story of how, you know, somebody else was going to be doing the ceremony, but, you know, there was a reason why it didn't happen and there was even some hurt feelings there. And I began to just ask the question, okay, well, if you're asking me, a minister of, of the gospel, a pastor, to officiate your wedding ceremony, you know, where are you at in your faith? And so that was kind of a strange conversation because we didn't really know each other. And so we began to step into this relationship, and I remember going and meeting these people. I'd never seen them in my life. I met them at Richie's Diner on Myriad of Hot Springs. And we sat down between sometime between breakfast and lunch and shared a meal together, and I just found out what a wonderful couple these two were. And I actually went on and performed their wedding ceremony later on. And today... These two both serve right here in our church, and they are amazing, faithful, wonderful people who have great relationships all throughout this church. And I'll never forget that day because that was the first time I had ever been asked to do something like that. And for especially my personality, that was incredibly uncomfortable for me at first. And I bet that when I got there, I mean, I was really new in pastoral ministry. I bet that when I got there, they were probably like, we were expecting somebody else. Like, who's this young whippersnapper showing up going to do our wedding ceremony? Because these two, you know, they got married a little later in life than me. And as I sat there and just talked with them, began to hear their heart and talk about their experience and where they'd come from, this uncomfortable situation began to become very comfortable. And I realized maybe God has ordained this moment. And I'll never forget getting to do their wedding that day. It was such a beautiful ceremony and a beautiful setting. And today I'm grateful for the friendship that I still have with those people. But not just my relationship The way that those people have influenced and built relationships all throughout this church is nothing short of a God thing. He set it up. He arranged that. And he had a divine appointment for that day. But I had to step into the uncomfortable, the unfamiliar, and the uncertain. And now that I chose to do that, I look back and I say, oh, my gosh, I had no idea, Lord, what you were up to the whole time. I'll tell you something, God wants to use us in a lot of settings that might seem uncomfortable and uncertain and unfamiliar, but if we will step out in faithfulness and obedience, we will see that God has been up to something all along, and he will use us to facilitate his mission on the earth. Amen? So that's the story of the disciples, but let's kind of go to the other shoe here real quick. Because the disciples go, and they ask for this donkey or this colt from somebody whose name is never given to us in Scripture, now, here's the second thing I want to look at. I want to look at this anonymous man or woman, whoever this person was, that gave this donkey away to the disciples because Scripture tells us nothing about them. And again, imagine if you're that person. You don't, we don't know what God was doing on the other side of that conversation, but when these disciples approached this anonymous person and asked to use the donkey, or better yet, untied the donkey and started walking away with it, this person was willing, they were flexible enough to allow their donkey to be used so that they could facilitate the mission of Christ on the earth. And here's the thought I want to give you, and we'll stay here for just a moment. But it makes me ask this question. Are we willing to sacrificially give of ourselves to facilitate the mission of Christ even if we never receive recognition? You know, there are people in Scripture who are anonymous. Their names are never given. One of the first ones that comes to mind is back in the Old Testament, in in one of the first or second Samuel, when Saul is going to be anointed king, he's out looking for one of his father's donkeys. And there's a servant that walks with him, and it takes them so long, a couple of days go by, and they still haven't found Saul's father's donkey. Yet the servant, whose name is never given to us, keeps him going on that journey, keeps him going, keeps him going, until the day comes that he runs into Samuel, and that is his day of anointing and his day of appointing, and then Saul becomes the king. And all along, there's a servant that walks with him and does not allow him to quit on that journey until he reaches the place where they find what they're looking for. And what they discover is that the donkey was never found, but instead Samuel is who they encounter, and Saul goes on to become king. All because an anonymous servant continues to go on and help Saul reach his destiny, even though he himself, his name is never mentioned in Scripture. And I think for a moment about this person who owns this donkey, whose name we do not know. Would we be willing to give of ourselves sacrificially to facilitate the mission of Christ on the earth, even if we never receive Recognition. You know, we we live in such a me-centric, look at me culture. I mean, people are striving to be famous because they just want recognition. They want to be popular. They want to be known. They want to be recognized. In this look at me culture that we live in today, I, I sometimes wonder, even as Christians, if we allow that spirit, if we allow that mindset to kind of move into our hearts, I think that sometimes we become photo bombers in God's picture. And here's what I mean by that. Does everybody remember before we had digital cameras and digital phones, when you would buy those disposable cameras? You guys know what I'm talking, some of you are like, what are those? You know what I'm talking about, old disposable cameras. And before you threw it away, you would take the film out and you would go and get it developed. And maybe you took it with you to Disneyland. And so right when you through the entry there at Disneyland, you gave your camera to somebody and you said, I want to get a family picture right here in front of that big garden thing that says Disneyland or whatever it says. A nice family picture here to commemorate this moment. And so you hand off that disposable camera and you all line up right there and they take the pictures and then you go to get it developed only to discover that like three people were in the background going, hey. (laughs) And they totally ruined your family picture. My daughter would do it too. It's cool. But the point is, I think sometimes God looks down at the masterpiece, the picture that he's trying to paint or the picture that he's trying to create, and if we get so me-centric and put ourselves in wanting recognition and wanting attention in the middle of God's picture, I think it's like God looks down and says, why are you always trying to photobomb my picture? Why are you always trying to gain the recognition that only I deserve? Forget about disposable cameras for a minute. How many times have you handed your phone off to somebody to take a picture? You said, here, take this picture, and you stand there with your friend, that loved one. You know, maybe it's important, somebody you haven't seen in a long time. You want to get that special picture, and they take that one, but they go out of their way to make sure they include that one selfie of themselves taking the picture, Pastor Corey. (laughs) I'm making a habit of calling Pastor Corey out in like every message now. It's awesome. But seriously... How often do we try to insert ourselves into the story and make it about our glory, our recognition, when it's all about God's glory and his recognition? I love how this person, we don't know what God was doing on the other side of this story. Scripture doesn't tell us, but what we do know is that they were willing to give sacrificially of what they have. And guess what? We don't even know if they ever got their donkeys back. Would you be willing to part with something that cost you something, even if you never got earthly recognition for it, to facilitate the mission of Christ in the earth. You know, as I was reading through this passage of Scripture, the immediate story that came to mind for me was the story of, we have a a pastor friend that's spoken here many times here at the bridge, and he has a a pretty good-sized ministry, really worldwide, where he travels around the world, and, you know, he's founded a very, very large church many years ago, and over the course of many decades now, through his ministry, tens of thousands of people all over the world have come to know Christ. And every time I meet him and see him, I just think about this amazing ministry that he has. But every time he tells his testimony, it always comes back to a 13-year-old boy that witnessed to him when he was younger. And every time I've heard him tell that story, he never says what that boy's name was. Because it's not about the recognition of the boy. It's about the boy being willing to anonymously facilitate the mission of Christ in the earth. Would you be willing to give of yourself? Would you be willing to sacrifice of your possessions, of your time, of your talent, of your treasure, to facilitate the mission of Christ in the earth, even if you never got the recognition? Somebody did, and as a result, Christ was able to fulfill this prophecy and enter into Jerusalem. Now, let's read on, because now a multitude of people enter into the stories. We have the disciples, we have the anonymous person who turns loose of their donkey, but now we have a multitude, a great crowd of people That are now watching Jesus enter into Jerusalem. Let's read on in verse 8. It says, And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest. Now, again, let's stop right here for a moment because the multitudes have gathered. They're now laying down their garments, their robes, other things in the pathway so that Jesus, riding on this donkey, can enter into Jerusalem. And as they go by, or as Jesus goes by, the disciples come alongside him or behind him. And the crowds, the multitudes that have lined the road are crying out, Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the thing that I really want to point out to you here real quick is traditionally what we tend to do is when we look at this story historically, we look at this word Hosanna and what we think of is praise being lavished on God. And that's true, or praise more specifically being lavished upon Christ because they, might, they believe many of them that he might be their deliverer, their Messiah. But what I want you to focus on for just a moment is simply this. That word Hosanna is a very, very specific and intentional word because it takes on dual meanings historically in how we look at it. Because of the way that these crowds, these multitudes lavish that word hosanna upon Jesus, what we do in our English vernacular is we look back and we associate hosanna with praise. But that word, historically in the Aramaic, that's not what it means. The word in the Aramaic of hosanna literally is a yashana, yasha na. Yasha na. It's a two part compound word that means save now. So what we do is we look back upon this story and we reflectively say Hosanna, lavishing praise upon Christ. But in their native language, they were saying, Jesus, save us now. And here's why this is important. Because as we know today, in hindsight, again, we know that a few days later, Jesus would go to the cross. He would first be betrayed. He would die a sinner's death And then ultimately be raised from the dead. But right there in that moment, these crowds, these multitudes of people were trying to figure out who Jesus was. And not everybody who was crying out Hosanna was crying out that he was the son of God and the Messiah. They were simply saying, if you are the Messiah, then please save us now. Save us now. And what happens here is there's this conflict that takes place because Jesus is on an eternal mission. But these people are stuck thinking in temporal terms. Because if we go back and we look at what happens in scripture here, we see in the book of Zechariah, what we just read, what we started at in Zechariah 9, at the time, 500 years before Jesus, that Zechariah made this prophecy, the people were living under Persian oppression. And they allowed them to rebuild their temple, and they allowed them to practice their faith, but at the end of the day, they weren't satisfied because they were not free. And they cried out for a deliverer, and Zechariah gave this prophecy that one day a deliverer would come, but 500 years go by, and suddenly when Jesus arrives on the scene, they're now living under Roman oppression, and the circumstances are pretty similar. We practice our faith, we can go to the temple, but we still don't have complete freedom because we live under Roman oppression. And when Jesus came, he recognized that he had a greater calling and a greater mission and a greater purpose. Jesus was not just there to be the deliverer that they wanted him to be. He was there to be the savior that they needed him to be. And the point is simply this. Jesus did not just come to walk through Jerusalem on a donkey, enter in, take his place on the throne, be praised and glorified as king so that he could set up shop for the rest of his life. He came to die. He came to give his life away. And right there in that moment, one of the things that we see is there's a conflict that happens. Because as the people cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna, Yashana, save us now. They didn't understand that what they wanted from Jesus was not exactly the thing that he came to give them. They wanted someone that would come and kick away Roman oppression, that would take his rightful throne as king of Israel, and Jesus was the rightful king of Israel, but his kingdom was not of this world, and so it created this conflict again, and and what I really want to point out to you here is that everything about this passage leads us to believe that Jesus would go into Jerusalem and be crowned the king of the Jews and take his place on an earthly throne. But we all know the rest of the story because a few days later, the crowds that cried out, Hosanna, would soon be shouting out, crucify him. What happened? What happened? What happens when your expectation of God is not the same thing as what he gives to you? What happens when God doesn't give you the thing that you want, but he absolutely gives you the thing that you need? Are we grateful for it? Are we satisfied with it? Because again, there was a conflict that took place where one day they shouted Hosanna and the next day they declared crucify him, send him to the cross because he didn't come to be what we wanted him to be. Instead, Jesus came to give the people what they needed which was salvation, forgiveness, atonement and eternal life. So it makes me ask a few questions. First question is simply this. When I look to Jesus, am I looking for temporal answers Or am I asking for eternal solutions? When Jesus doesn't do things in my timing, when Jesus doesn't do things the way that I want him to, am I satisfied? Am I grateful? Or do I walk away and just like the multitudes, I declare that him not to be the Lord of my life? Because that was the conflict. And, of course, the other side of this was that Jesus, when he came into this earth and he was preaching about the kingdom of God, people thought, if this man is the Messiah, then surely he will come and he will set up his kingdom right here on the earth. And if you do a great study of what Jesus taught about the kingdom of God, one of the things that you understand is that the kingdom of God is now, but the kingdom of God is not yet. And we struggle with that. We say, how is it that the kingdom of God can come, but I look around at the world in which I live and I say, it's pretty clear that the kingdom of God has not yet come around me. And I think that that was the rub for a lot of the people that lined the streets that day. They saw Jesus as potential Messiah. Save us now. Save us from this oppression. Save us from our fears. Save us from our circumstances. And Jesus wanted to save them from a whole lot more than that. But again, I want to draw this parallel. Remember, 500 years before Jesus came, Persian oppression. At the time of Jesus, Roman oppression. Today, we stand here in the United States of America on the 21st century, and we look around and we say, it still looks like the kingdom of God has not fully come. Because we might not be oppressed in as many ways as they were, but we look around and recognize that we still live in a fallen, sinful, broken world that's prone to decay and disorder. And so here we are in 2021, Palm Sunday. Next weekend, we're gonna celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And what I recognize... Is that even though I might look around at the world around me and say that the kingdom of God has not yet come around me on the outside, the kingdom of God has most certainly come inside of me. So therefore, what is my responsibility? What is your responsibility? It is to declare that the kingdom of God has come here in my life and through my life and other people can discover it too. And until that day comes that we are ruling and reigning with Christ on earth and spend eternity with him, I will continue to declare that even if things don't look great around me, the kingdom of God has come in and through my life. Come on, give Jesus praise this morning. So finally, I want to read the last two verses of that passage to you. It says in verse 10, And with Jesus had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, and I love this phrase, saying, who is this? Finally, verse 11, so the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. And I want to ask you this question this morning from verse 10. Who is Jesus? Or personalize it more. Who do we say that Jesus is? Because as people shouted Hosanna that day, many of them hoped that he would be the Messiah, hoped that he would be the Savior, hoped that he would be the Deliverer. But when he didn't give them exactly what they want by setting up a king that they could see with their own two eyes, many of those people went from shouting Hosanna to shouting crucify him. So who do you say that Jesus is? Pastor Nick was talking earlier about who are the people in your heart Who are the people that you think of when you look ahead to everything that's in front of us this week as we think back on Christ's death and his resurrection? Who are the people that have yet to come into relationship with Jesus? It's so easy for us to look again at the world around us and say, man, it sure looks like this fallen world, like the kingdom of God has not yet come. But guess what? We still have the opportunity to share with the people in our lives that the kingdom of God has come in my life and it can come in your life as well. So who is Jesus to you? Who do you say That Jesus is. This is kind of a strange story to end with today, but I want to share this with you because I read through this earlier this week just to get a few details. You know, everything about the story of Jesus, it looks like kind of an organic coronation that's taking place in this Palm Sunday story. The year was 1953. The date was June the 2nd. It was the coronation day of Queen Elizabeth the 2nd. Preparation for this coronation began 14 months in advance. There were 39,000 British servicemen or military men who served in that processional with another 16,000 that lined the roads. There were 8,000 guests that were invited to be a part of this ceremony. And by the way, I'm not gonna ask who was old enough to actually watch this on TV today. 96,000 people lined the streets that led up to Westminster Abbey to see this procession, and it was estimated that 277 million people worldwide worldwide watched it on TV. The cost of this procession and the ceremony was in those days 1.57 million British pounds, equivalent to around 39 million British pounds in today's money. And all these years later, from 1953 on, Queen Elizabeth II has reigned as Queen of England for nearly 69 years and will soon turn 95 years old. The reason why I tell you that is because that was a coronation. When we read the Palm Sunday story, it seems like there's an organic coronation that's taking place except this coronation, if you will, ended in Christ going to a cross and dying a few days later. One of the reasons why Christ went to that cross is because the people who lined the streets to see him enter Jerusalem couldn't decide for themselves who he was. Perhaps they were stuck on their own temporal needs, and when Jesus didn't give them exactly what they wanted, they turned their back on him. Maybe when they didn't see his kingdom being established in the world around them, they said, "Nah, that can't be him. Go ahead, crucify him. The thing I'm reminded of as I read that story this week Is that there were a group of people who began to throw a coronation for Jesus, believing him to be king. And when Jesus gave them something different, they turned their back on him. I think it's really easy for us as Christians today to look around and say, God, where are you? What are you up to? What in the world is going on? Because the things that are happening today are crazy. And they don't make sense. And I believe that you're my king, you're the king of my heart, you're my Lord and my Savior, but. Man, the circumstances of the world around us are wild and crazy. And I'm reminded that just like 500 years before Christ, just like at the time of Christ, again, 21st century America, the world that we're living in today, my responsibility is to say the kingdom of God has come in my life, so therefore it needs to come through my life. And if we will join together, people can still turn to Christ as Savior. As we look ahead to everything that's coming up this week, I want to invite you to be someone who allows and facilitates the mission of Christ to come in the earth. And guess what? God might use you in an uncomfortable way. He might use you in an unfamiliar way to ask your neighbor to come to church with you, to tune in online. He might put you in a situation where it costs you something. But if you will do your best to facilitate the kingdom of God, you don't know what God is already up to on the other side of that mission. And then finally, if we'll recognize that if the kingdom of God has come in us, God also wants it to come in other people's life. God will use us to accomplish great things here in the earth, even if the world around us looks kind of crazy. Can we be those kind of people that choose to say yes to the mission of Christ? That's what Palm Sunday is all about. Jesus, the king, has come. How can we facilitate his coming so that the world around can discover all that he wants to give them? That's what this day is all about. It's not just a historical story. It's something that we have a part in if we will choose to say yes. Can we say yes today? Can we say yes? Amen. Come on, can we just give God praise one more time this morning? Would you bow your head with me today? Fathers, we stand here on Palm Sunday. It's a day that as Christians we look back and we're so grateful that you entered into a difficult stretch, into a difficult season, where you would eventually go to the cross for us. Standing here today, Father, all across this room, there are so many of us that recognize that because of what you did, we have salvation, we have freedom, we have liberty, we have forgiveness, we have hope for this life, and we have peace for eternity. God, I pray as we enter into this week, Pray that we would have open eyes to see the opportunities that you want to put in our path, that we would be willing to step into the uncomfortable, the unfamiliar, and the uncertain to facilitate the mission of Christ in the world that we live in. And I pray right now in this very moment, God, as we think about the people that you've placed in our life, if there's anybody in our life and in our world that doesn't know you, God, we ask that you would give us an opportunity just simply to give them that invitation to share the hope, to share the kingdom of God that has come in our life so that it can come into their life as well. God, as you work, as we step out into the unfamiliar, as we choose to get out of the way and let you do what only you can do, we're not asking for credit or recognition or glory, but we ask that you would be glorified as we reach out and invite people into your kingdom so they can experience your salvation in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed just for one more moment, talking about salvation. Maybe you're here today and if you just think about a relationship with God and you're honest with yourself, you'd say, Zach, I I know that I'm not walking in a relationship with God right now. I've never accepted Christ into my life. I've never experienced this thing called salvation, forgiveness of my sins. I've never put my faith in God. You might be here today and you feel so unworthy of a relationship with God because you'd say, honestly, Zach, I, I know that I'm sinful, I'm imperfect, and that I've made mistakes. I want to tell you how much God loves you Scripture tells us that while we were still sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God sent Christ to this earth, his sinless, spotless son, to take our place on the cross and die a death that we deserve so that we could receive receive his very best salvation in exchange for our very worst, our sin. If we would put our faith in that sacrifice, we could be saved. The most beautiful part of that story is that Jesus went all the way for you and I, but on the third day after Christ died, God raised him from the dead, conquering death and hell and the grave so that you and I would not have to face it in eternity. If you've never put your faith in Christ, I want to tell you that hope for this life starts with salvation, but security for eternity starts in this walk with God. And I want to invite you to pray a prayer this morning just to put your faith in Christ. This is not the end of the journey, it's just the beginning of a lifelong relationship with him where we can walk in his salvation. If you want to make that decision this morning, I want to ask if you would just repeat these words after me. It's not about the words. It's about the commitment that you make in your heart to follow Christ from this day forward. I want to invite you right now. We're all going to pray this right out loud, not to embarrass anybody. Put your faith in Jesus and say these words. Repeat after me. Say, Say, Jesus, I thank you that you came to this earth for me. I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you died for me. And I believe that you were raised from the dead so that I could have eternal life. So today, I put my faith in you, my hope in you, my trust in you. I will follow you from this day forward, all the days of my life, into eternity. I receive you today. And I thank you for becoming the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you made that decision today to follow Christ, I want to tell you it's the best decision that you could ever make in life to follow Jesus. Because he will give you hope for this life and blessed assurance and life that is to come. You know, we did that very intentionally right there this morning because we wanted as many people as possible to have the opportunity to make a decision to follow Christ. Because right now, we want to partake of communion together. I want to invite everybody, if you would, just to take those communion elements. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? You know, like we said, next week we'll celebrate the resurrection of Christ, but in this moment, we want to partake of communion and thank God for the sacrifice of Jesus going to the cross for us. Scripture tells us that on the night that Christ was betrayed, he sat with his disciples, and he took the bread and he took the cup, and first he broke that bread, and he told them, he said, this is my body that's broken for you. Take and eat and do this as often as you would, in remembrance of me. I feel like I've said this so many times, but it never gets old in the moment. The body of Christ was broken so that you and I could be put back together. When we partake of the body of Christ, we celebrate that and we do so with gratitude. Can we celebrate together and partake of the body? And if you wanna open that cup, scripture says that in the same manner, he took the cup. He said, this is my blood. It's the blood of a new covenant or a new deal with God. The blood of Christ washed away our sins. We have forgiveness because of this. Today we thank God as we celebrate and we partake of the cup together. Would you partake with me this morning? Would you just lift your hands right there where you're at? Father, we thank you for Jesus. As we enter into this week, we do not want a day to go by and a moment to go by that we do not look to you with gratitude and say thank you. We are who we are and we have what we have because of you. Nothing more, nothing less. We thank you for Jesus. As we partake today, Father, again, it's with gratitude that we say thank you for making it all the way, that you didn't stop but you had us in mind. We're thankful for our salvation. We honor you today in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. As you're seated, last thing from me, and then Pastor Gary's going to come and he's going to share something really important with you this morning that we're excited about. But last thing from me, if you made a decision to follow Jesus today, I just want to let you know we want to help you start your journey of faith and We have a simple tool, a gift that we'd love to put in your hands if you made that decision today. We have a small book. It's called The Next Seven Days. It's just a free gift that we want to give you. There's a couple different ways that you can get it. Right after the service, we will have prayer teams. They're going to be down on the floor against these side walls down here on the floor of the auditorium. If you want to walk up to one of our prayer teams, let them know you made a decision to follow Jesus. They'll give you the book. We don't need anything from you, but we are happy to help. We're here for you to help you in any way that we can. If you need special prayer, please come today and see one of our prayer teams. And again, if you made that decision to follow Christ today, stop by the next seven days desk. It's between the glass doors before you exit the building. Our team's here to help, to answer any questions, to pray with you if that's what you need. But again, we're so glad that you made that decision. So welcome to the family of God. Thank you so much for making a decision to follow Christ. Pastor, would you come and share?
4: Thank you. Thank you, Zach, for that message. It was a great message. Challenged my heart. I hope it challenged yours today. Uh, this is the time of service at the end of our service when we take a moment and we just honor God with our giving. There are a number of ways that we can give. But today I just want to share something with you that I think is so cool that is happening right now as we speak and will be happening. That It's been happening for several weeks, but it's going to culminate next Sunday. Uh, four years ago, we partnered with a family in our church who has a ministry in Kenya, East Africa. And we built a church there, and we sent a team there to help finish the church. We provided the funds for the church, and the family and the church provided the property. They had the property. We built the building, sent the team to finish it. It was four years ago. Uh, A few months ago, they've got another piece of property in an area of southeastern Kenya, right down by the Tanzania border, in a very strong Muslim area that desperately needs a church. It's a village area that has no church, no gospel witness whatsoever. And they committed that piece of property, and we have committed as a church to building another church on that property. So I don't know about you, but I'm going to tell you something. The local church is the hope of the world. I don't care what anybody tells you. Local churches are the hope of the world. And we are so excited about this opportunity, but I got to tell you what we did. Uh, In this crazy season that we were in, there wasn't really a good time to stop and say, okay, well, we're going to raise the money and then we can figure out when to build this church. They needed the church. They already have a pastor trained. He's ready to go to work pastoring that church. We just need to get a building and get people in there. So here's what we did. We went ahead and committed a few months ago out of our general fund to get a head start on this. And I want to just show you a little bit about what's going on in this little village I'm not going to show you much. Uh, Is that as clear as it gets on that screen, Travis? Pardon me? They're fixing it. Okay. Hang on. That's a little bit. There you go. It's right in the middle. There they are digging trenches for the foundation. Uh, Let's go to the next picture. I think it's more of the trench and foundation digging there we go. More of the there you see the foundation trenches dug. The guys working on the property there. Next slide. You're going to see the foundation of the church going up. Next slide. There's the structure of the church, and then the next slide. This is pretty cool. I like this. The church building is almost constructed in the most beautiful African colors there, East Kenya. And then one more picture. There we go. There's more of the finished product of the building. There's still some work being done around the premises. And then I think we've got one more here. Every church, you need a building and you also need restrooms, right, and storage space. So we've got that all included in the building. So this is all just completed these last few days. Here's the cool part. This week, this new pastor and a group of people are doing outreach into the village, sharing the love of Jesus all week long, and they're having their first services next Sunday morning on Easter Sunday. So I am so excited about this. And I I just want you to know as a church, and if you're watching online, we want you to know this is a part of what we do as a church. We support ministries that are working around the world, But not only that, every year we take on at least one project somewhere else in the world. This is the project for this year. We've already forwarded the money. So I'm telling you this because in two Sundays... We're going to give you an opportunity to help us pay for all of this, okay? So I want you to know your money is going around the world as well as working in our community. God bless you as you give today. Whatever way you choose to give, This it's so exciting to be a part of a church that's making a difference globally. So we love you we appreciate your faithfulness. And then finally today, you know, we are so excited about Easter next Sunday morning. I told you last week about this. A good friend of ours, Charles Graham, is doing an Easter sunrise service at Europa Village at 6.30 next Sunday morning. You can go to the Europa Village website and get more information if you're interested in that. We're going to have a great celebration here at 8.30 at 10 o'clock and 11.30 next Sunday. Hey, we love you. We appreciate you. Before you go, when I, when I say amen here in a moment, count to ten before you leave because I want to get to the back to wave at you as you walk out the door, okay? God bless you. Amen.